Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, our season previews are coming close to the end. Uh, we got two more teams to preview. We're going to talk about one tonight. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Are you ready to go? I'm not doing great. Uh, you and I both bet on, and we're, record- <laughs> we're recording on Labor Day night. So usually mm-hmm. college football mm-hmm. season would be in full swing, which it kind of is again this year. Sort of is. Bit. We had some games on Saturday. We got... BYU and Navy tonight, unfortunately, and you and I took Navy, and it is 48 to nothing with three minutes to go in the third quarter. So 48 to Navy. Uh, I wish. <laughs> so, yeah, 48 nothing in the other direction. Not going good. Yeah, not going good. That was basically were, an even spread, which, yeah. yikes. Yeah. So they were not quite a 48-point dog in this game, no, so no, not going great. Um, but, yeah, we've, uh, we are still here uh, recording as – um, as any good young professionals will do, uh, we pretty much put this off to the last minute. Um, and so, but we are going to hit our deadline of before the season starts. So we are still here. Um, unfortunately, as scheduling would have it with you know some folks, we had some difficulties and we have not been able to lock down any of the multiple guests that we are trying to score to do this preview. And so tonight, Mike, we are going to preview the North Carolina Tar Heels on our own. And as we, our good we friend are. Bill O'Reilly said, we're going to do it live. We'll do we it are. live. We are going to do it live. Yep. We are We are live right now doing it. So uh, without any further ado, let's just start talking about North Carolina in 2020. Um, so Mike, North Carolina comes into 2020 year two of the Mac Brown era. And it's, it's really interesting to think of where we were a year ago. And I remember talking about this team coming into last season and saying, I don't understand why you just hired a guy who's been in a TV booth for six years. I don't understand the coordinators that you hired of somebody trying to go aggressive up tempo and somebody whose defense has succeeded on a, you know, low tempo, like draw the game out kind of scheme. Like I didn't feel like those were going to mesh very well. None of this made sense. I didn't really know how this is going to get any better. Lo and behold, you know, the final record says seven and six, but that seven and six was made up of six losses that I don't think any of them were more than eight points. Like, yeah, this was a really, really solid North Carolina team a year ago in year one. Um, I, I, I don't know about you, but I think just generally, you know, from what I expected to what they ended up becoming, I was incredibly impressed and I am really intrigued at what they're going to become moving forward here. Yeah, we were wrong. So I was in that same boat straight and a lot. Yeah. Most of you have listened to us now for a number of years and you know that, you know, sometimes Joey and I can be really wrong. Uh, This Mm -hmm. was one of those occasions, especially with coaching hires. This was one Mm -hmm. of those occasions. 
we were very wrong here. Um, I was in the same boat as you. Everything you just said from the uh, differentiation between the schemes offensively and defensively to Mac Brown saying really dumb things on television um, from a X's and O's standpoint to, okay, how are you going to recruit to a school in North Carolina that hasn't had a lot of on-field success like in the three, two or three years prior to him joining the program and the fact that he is like in his late sixties. So how are you going to then say, Oh yeah, we're going to sell you on the future when a lot of people are wondering what the future is going to be for Mac Brown. How long is he really going to be coaching in North Carolina? So we had all of those questions. I think a lot of them were justifiable at the time, but I think a lot of them were also quelled in year one. Now, yeah, seven and six is a pretty average year. It could have been about three games better either direction, right? It could have been three games better, I guess, or three games worse. Um, mm-hmm. There were, you know, just taking the average there. And they had, you know, some losses there that were totally on them that I think a more veteran team finds a way to close out. And then there were others where they just got beat. I think that North Carolina has a lot of upside, obviously, because of what they bring back offensively. And Sam Howell at quarterback was just outstanding as a true freshman. Um, and he should be very good again in year two. Uh, and then the defense, they're still returning a ton of production defensively. There's some questions in the secondary, which we'll get to. But just given what they're returning and especially what they're looking at from a schedule standpoint, the ACC really threw them a bone with the schedule, Joey, which we'll get into in a bit as well. Oh, yeah, we, we'll talk about that. Um, so so there's – I will say there's the whole thing last year of, well, they lost six games by a combined – I think it was like 26 points or something. I mean, it was a bunch of close losses. But on the flip side of that, you could also look at this and say they were four and six, you know, going into the game against Mercer. And of the four wins, three of those were by four, three, and three. So they had one big win, I guess we'll say, a 16-point win against Georgia Tech. Other than that, like nine of their ten games were one-score games, wins and losses. And I think where you really started to see the team take off was against a completely overmatched Mercer team, a completely overmatched and beat-up North Carolina State team, and then getting Temple in the bowl game when Temple was coached by a notoriously horrific bowl game coach, as we remember. Um so it might be a little bit of a false wave of momentum. It feels like, you know, they were, they're carrying that and people are thinking, Oh, this is going to launch them into, into next year. And I mean, truthfully, I might be a victim of this false momentum that I'm sensing, you know, this kind of thing. But I, I just felt like from what I saw a number of times last year, and you can look at the Clemson game and, and from our, our discussion with David Qualkenbush, like, I don't know how necessarily repeatable that was and how much that was really just a great game plan versus a couple of catching a couple of breaks and bounces while Clemson was a little bit of a sleep at the wheel, you know, and it, it kind of just like a, a few circumstances kind of convulging there. But um, I just, it felt like there was a lot of, a lot of bright spots that you did see throughout the year and, and a couple of big wins. I mean, beating Miami in week two at home, like, that was one of the better versions of Miami that we saw a year and you beat them in front of your home crowd. Like when nobody really thought you could, like there was a lot of that, I think to be seen. And so I, I think there's a lot of reason to believe in this team moving forward, but realistically there's also some questions that they still haven't answered. and, And we'll have to talk about what a couple of those are. Yep. I'm with you. 
Um, on the offense, Mike, the guy that, is, that quickly as a true freshman became a household name uh, in really just in national college football coverage was Sam Howell. Um, true freshman came in, started game one, threw for 61.5% completion, 3,600 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, he was electric, made a lot of throws down the field, um, was able to was able to make throws that you know you don't see from a lot of college quarterbacks, much less freshmen. And so I think that there's a lot of hype there, and, and a lot of people looking at him as he's a guy. I I would personally consider him. He's a guy that might could be like an ACC Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, no, I mean definitely, and he's a top five quarterback in college football already. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if you don't think he is, I mean name name four more ahead of him, right? And you're going to mm-hmm. have trouble doing that at this point. Yeah, he's I mean, a top five Fields and the guys that aren't playing. Right. I mean, who else? I, <laughs> that's that's the question. I mean, it's, it's it really is crazy how good he was last year. Like you mentioned, 3,600 yards passing, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I think the question that we all have is like, okay, now that opposing defensive staffs have film of him, if there is a regression, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's going to bottom out or anything like that. Would it shock me if he has like Trevor Lawrence syndrome where he's got a couple of crazy throws that he tries to fit in the window because he just had so much success with some of those last year when teams did not have film of him. And maybe he has a couple more interceptions early in the season than a lot of people expect. Like, would that surprise me? No, not at all. Um, I, I think we could easily see that from Sam Howell. But as far as like what the regression looks like, I, I think that it's hard to replicate those types of numbers that you put up a year ago and, and kind of match those against the expectations that everybody sets forth um, for you if you're that good of a player as a true freshman. With all that being said, like if he meets the expectations that a lot of people expect for him in year two, I mean, North Carolina is going to be in a really, really good spot uh, because there's just there aren't that many teams on the schedule, number one, but in college football, either number two, they're going to be able to keep up with this offense if he's producing at a level that a lot of people think he can. Um, so just like there can be regression now that there's film on him, et cetera, there could also be a step forward in productivity because he's gotten better as a player. Um, there's also that possibility too. Um, so that's that's just kind of a storyline that we're going to have to monitor with him, but he's an outstanding quarterback. I was thinking about it earlier today, Mike, and just thinking about if you go back to, I think it was early signing day for the 2019 class, and Sam Howell on that day flips from from a Florida State commitment to a North Carolina commitment, you know, shortly on the heels of the the Tar Heels. Yeah. Mac Brown being hired in Chapel Hill and and that staff kind of starting to come together and just thinking about, I guess, and we don't have a great answer to this. We never will, but just how much of a difference did that make in shaping ACC history? You know, I mean, would Willie Taggart still have his job in, in, in Tallahassee? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but maybe, um, would we think that North Carolina is even like a bowl team this year, much less like, you know, one of the better teams in the conference. I don't know, but maybe not. Like it's how many things kind of shifted as a result of that um, is, is interesting for me to think about it. And not just that he, he flipped that commitment, but then so quickly made an impact at North Carolina and just kind of within the conference. I mean, right. So that, that was, I think that's just something to kind of 
ponder at times and, and kind of keep keep in mind here in the next couple of years as he continues to uh, to, to captain the ship there in, in Chapel Hill. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. And and like especially what a lot of it's really truly going to depend on what we see out of Florida State, too, in, in year one with Norvell with James Blackman at quarterback. So we kind of know what James Blackman is at this point. But if he doesn't turn into the quarterback that we think he can be, a lot of people are going to be looking at like, man, can you imagine Sam Howell with Norvell? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. going to be that's going to be a thought in a lot of people's minds. And again, who knows? Maybe Willie Tagger keeps his job if Sam Howell's a quarterback. But man, it, it's fun to think about. Sam Howell's really good at throwing the ball down the field. You know who loves to throw the ball down the field? <laughs> Your boy Mike Norvell. That would have been yep. fun. Yeah. Match made in heaven right there. That, the thing I was going to bring up too, Mike, though, is that we talk about how good Sam Howell was. And he, he was, especially when you consider he was a true freshman. I mean, he was – what's the old cliche? He was six months removed from going to the prom or whatever it was. I mean – Right. You know, yeah. But it, it really helped, I think, that he had a, a – supporting cast of a couple of running backs and several receivers that were much more experienced. Uh, Michael Carter and Javante Williams was a hell of a one-two punch of a, of a, a pair of running backs uh, combined to go for nearly 2000 yards on the ground uh, provided a huge change of pace. You know, when people were trying to key in on a passing attack that then was including Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, Bo Corrales, all these guys and Mike, that's the thing is that all these guys were experienced and this whole supporting cast that was nice for him to have and going into year two, they're all still there. Yeah, they're all back. Um, you mentioned the running backs, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. For all intents and purposes, these were 2,000-yard rushers, right? Like Michael Carter, 1,003 yards last year. Um, weirdly, only three touchdowns on the ground. Javante Williams, 933 yards, five touchdowns on the ground. Joey. Both running backs that were featured in North Carolina's offense most prominently averaged over five and a half yards per carry. Javante Williams, 5.6 yards per carry. Michael Carter, 5.7. Like, it helps when you have Sam Howell slinging the ball all over the place um, to open up the running game. But it also helps the passing game when you got essentially two two 1,000-yard rushers in the backfield. Um, So that helps. They were both fifth and seventh in the conference in rushing yards per game. Like that's incredible production coming out of that backfield. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and arguably the best part of the offense for North Carolina last year was a passing game, and that's saying a lot considering what they have in their running ba- in their running backs in the backfield and and everything they're able to do there. And you mentioned the receivers, like all these receivers are coming back. Um, you mentioned Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, who I always have to bring this up, but. <laughs> His brother, Dion Newsom, was a Hokie, and Virginia Tech was a finalist in his in his uh, recruitment. And man, oh, man, that was a huge miss for Virginia Tech. Um, but, you know, Bo Corrales is back as well. Yeah, God. Um, Bo Corrales <laughs> back as well. I mean, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, Bo Corrales, 28 touchdowns between the three of them. <laughs> so, yeah, like really good through the air, guys, like. Everybody listening to this knows how knows how good North Carolina's offense was last year. Like all of these guys are back. Um, really strong running game, really strong passing game, really strong offensive line, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. Like they got the pieces to be one of the top offenses in the country this year, no doubt. They lost games last year where they scored 41, 31, 31, 27. I mean, 
there were a number of these games that they they lost, but it was not because the offense struggled to produce. I mean, there was we could have the conversation about finishing drives. Place kicking was a little bit of an adventure, but I mean, largely just moving the ball, at least in between the 20s, like this offense was up there among the very best in the ACC. And yep. and for all of them to be coming back for another year now, all in the same system, under the same coordinator, especially in a year where there's all this transition going on around them. I mean, all that consistency that's there is, is really critical, I think, and it's going to make a huge difference. Um, and, and, Mike, that consistency continues on the offensive line where – You've got to replace your left tackle, but otherwise the other four starters still there. And and that line, not perfect, but generally pretty solid last year. Yeah. Um, returning four out of five starters up front is huge. And you want to talk about how important continuity is, especially in a COVID-19 environment. Like continuity is huge for a second-year quarterback too. And for two running backs who you know, were some of the top backs in the conference a year ago. And to really help that running game continue to improve, to help that passing game continue to improve, to help Sam Howell in his second year when there's all this film on him, to know that he's got the protection from the guys up front that he's going to get in the passing game is gigantic. And the fact that North Carolina has this much continuity offensively is a really good sign. Uh, and just mm-hmm. given given kind of the teams that they're facing and all the question marks that some of these teams have, I think North Carolina having a lot of those questions already answered for themselves on the offensive side of the football should serve them well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where there's plenty of unpredictability to come. I mean, there could be an injury. You could have a COVID, you know, casualty, we'll call it. You could have, you know, a lot of things could happen. But if this offense is intact in the way that we expect it to be, this figures to be a top five offense in the, in the conference, if not, you know, like probably one of the 10 best in the, in the country. I mean, that's how good they can be on offense. Agree. Yeah, totally agree. The questions aren't going to be on the offense side of the ball, Joey. No. And, and I, I, the only other thing I'll point out while we're talking about the offense is that, uh, again, they're going into year two under uh, offensive coordinator Phil Longo. Um, and, and while we, again, well, first year could be an aberration, might get some film and be able to, you know, kind of scheme around some things. Keep in mind, Phil Longo had some pretty ridiculous offenses at Ole Miss before that. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's got a long track record of really good offensive schemes, play calling, game plans, all this stuff. This is not something that you're just going to simply kind of, quote unquote, figure out how to stop. Um Figuring out how to stop it means having players that can defend these, can, can cover these receivers, can get home on blitzes, do those kinds of things. This is not, this is not just like some gimmicky thing that you can scheme around. So, don't expect to see some just cheat card be played somewhere that all of a sudden this offense is useless. Agree. Yeah, and anybody who's telling you that is probably a fraud. Yeah. Um, they're not necessarily a fraud if they tell you that this defense has a couple of question marks. Um, <laughs> it's probably the only question marks on their team outside of place kicking. That's, that's what we call a transition, Mike. Um, yes. Yeah, a couple of big questions with this defense in particular. They uh, they had some issues last year at times and, and really were kind of the, the crux at times that, um, that allowed teams to stay in games or even win them altogether. Um, it was year one under Jay Bateman, and, and it's a 
fairly significant change. And I mean, North Carolina's defenses at the end of the Larry Fedora era weren't very good anyways. So there was a little bit of improvement last year, not much and really not as much as I think as some people hoped to see. Um, and now coming into this year, Mike, we got to replace a couple on the defensive line. Got to replace Dominique Ross and Miles Dorn. Got DJ Ford opting out. So a number of guys on this defense to replace. So this is really going to be probably the thing that determines how good is this team and how good can they be? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just kind of looking at their schedule from a year ago. Um, four out of their six losses. They gave up 34 points, 34 points, 38 points, and then 43 points to Virginia Tech in that crazy six overtime game. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is there is certainly room for improvement defensively. Um, they were a middle-of-the-road team defensively in the ACC, really kind of middle of the pack as far as, like, opponents' points per game um, nationally. Like, th- this is a very um, middle-of-the-road defense with a lot of upside. I like their front seven a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that their front seven is certainly very good. Their linebacking core is probably the best in the ACC. Um, uh, you know, Chasserat, Jeremiah Gemmel, Tamon Fox, all back, um, all very good players. And they have an opportunity to be really good defensively if they get home to the quarterback. Because the questions, Joey, are in the back end of the defense. Um, you have Storm Duck, who's returning at cornerback, but... And Cameron Cowley, who was the Storm Duck, the Storm Duck, quack quack, Joey. (laughs) He's back. Rubber, like I told you, buddy, Rubber Duck was already taken. (laughs) Um, Storm Duck is back. Um, Yeah, and Miles Wolfolk back, so that that's really good. But uh, DJ Ford probably is starting safety, right? Probably going to slot into that role. He opts out because of COVID nineteen. Bryce Watts. Another defensive back who was going to get a lot of playing time, former Virginia Tech Hokie Bryce Watts, might I add. Uh, he opts out due to COVID-19. So you got some opt-out questions in the secondary, uh, but you mm-hmm. do have some veteran leadership there as well. Uh, but I think it's safe to say the strength of this defense is up front. The front seven, the questions are going to be at the back end of the defense. And I think that there needs to be enough tangible improvement for North Carolina to take a step forward, right? I mean, you're not going to be playing a 12-game schedule, but you are still playing an 11-game schedule. And given the teams that you're playing, um, while it's a soft schedule, there are some quarterbacks here that can toss the ball around a little bit, and they're going to have to figure out a way to make some stops defensively if they want to win some of these games that they should be favored in here. Um, So we'll get into the schedule in a bit, but I I think it's safe to say the biggest question marks coming into the year for North Carolina reside in that secondary. Uh, Mike, take a note real quick and and make sure to remind me that we need to create a – an ACC power rankings of former quarterbacks who now play defense. Um, oh boy. Because Chaz Surratt, Tobias Oliver. This is a, this is a growing trend. This is America's hottest trend, Mike. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, <laughs> and you know what? You can go over to university of Maryland where they had like, you know, three or four different defensive oh, players way. playing quarterback the other way. Yeah. <laughs> We're going the other way over there in Maryland. Yeah. Well, they got kicked out of the ACC, so it's fine. That's right. (laughs) Freaking Benedict Arnold-ass Maryland Terrapins. Now, you're not playing football this fall. Suck it. Head-ass Maryland. 
Anyways, um, that that's correct. I mean, linebacker, a, a real strength of this team. And, and truthfully, I mean, you look at – this is, again, year two under Jay Bateman as a defensive coordinator. When he was at Army, had a couple of years of some pretty solid defenses by Army standards. Um, a team that – that is going to struggle a lot of times to match athleticism with other, other teams. But schematically, I mean, the way that he likes to send pressure from some different angles and, and use personnel packages creatively, um, there is a lot of potential here. And again, especially with a team with as much talent and, and ability in the front seven as North Carolina has. So there is reason to believe that there could be, uh, you know, another step in improvement, but maybe not. And truthfully, that's, probably the biggest difference here in North Carolina fully realizing their potential given this whole offensive personnel and, and all the capability that they have is it's going to take the defense making another couple of stops per game because right. they're going to be fully happy to play in shootouts. But the thing is to win a shootout, you got to get a couple stops somewhere. Right. I mean, they're, <laughs> I mean, I mean, truthfully, I, and I don't want to slander their defense because I think their defense is better than this, but North Carolina could look a lot like a Big 12 team mm-hmm. where they're scoring 35, 40, 45 points per game, but they're also giving up 30, 35, 40 points per game. And for the record, I don't think it'll get that bad for North Carolina where their defense literally can't stop anybody. But they did have their spurts a year ago. I mean, I just mentioned some of the losses that they had and the amount of points that they gave up. Like they did have some spurts a year ago where they couldn't get a stop. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it comes to that again, and you're relying on Sam Howell and this fantastic offense to score 45 points per game for you to win, that's fine. That's one way to get it done. But once you play an elite defense, which there is none. <laughs> there is none, right, on North Carolina's schedule. There are a couple good ones, but there's no elite defense on the schedule. Um, once you face that elite defense, like Clemson, um, that's where you're like, okay, well, the offense can't move the ball as easily as it has all year, and now we're getting exposed. And that's the difference between the elite teams in college football and the very good teams in college football, which I think North Carolina is. I was going to say, at that point, it becomes a pretty nasty wake-up call. Um, but right. Maybe everything you're cracked up to be, but, um, you know, even, I mean, being built like a a big 10 or big 12 team in the same way, I mean, the the defense, you you could talk about like, do they need to be able to force a lot of three and outs? Maybe, maybe not as much as do they just need to be able to create some turnovers? You know, do they need to force quarterbacks into making bad throws and, and try to create turnovers and get the ball back a few times? I mean, that, works just as well, if not better. So it's just a thing that you can't rely on creating turnovers repeatedly game after game, week after week, year after year. So I, I, I mean, there's a possibility that you could kind of go that way. I don't have a reason to believe that they will, um, but that's another thing that could work without, you know, reliably getting a bunch of stops is, you know, create a bunch of turnovers. It worked for right. Miami that way. Uh, yeah. Uh, they didn't have a quarterback anywhere nearly anywhere near as good as Sam Howell. Um, no, that was if Miami had Sam Howell, that would have been playoff Miami, given what say, they were doing defensively. You might have actually really been back that time. Um, yeah, just for yeah. one year. Instead, they had a guy that relative to Sam Howell was like hardly a quarterback at all. So, you know, <laughs> oh, God. it happens, Mike. It happens. Uh, um, we have alluded several times throughout this 
podcast to the schedule that North Carolina plays. And we just, I mean, you, you can't really help but point out here, Mike, that when the ACC stepped back, you know, a month or so ago and decided to kind of retool the schedule to have an ACC only approach and everybody's going to play 10 games. Boy, they took some liberties with North Carolina's schedule here. <laughs> I would say so. I'm going to channel my uh, my secret inner wrestling fan here for a second and say uh, to this schedule, there is only one word to describe it. And I'm going to spell it out for you, Mike. S-A-W-F-T, soft. 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 Yeah, yeah. this is. This is not – okay, so just quickly run through it. Home against Syracuse, home against Charlotte, at Boston College, after a bye week, by the way. Uh, home against Virginia Tech, at Florida State, home against North Carolina State, at Virginia, at Duke, home against Wake Forest, bye week, home against Notre Dame, at Miami. So for those taking inventory at home, uh, the 10 ACC games that they play include six of what Mike and I consider to be the seven – worst teams in the conference. Uh, you get Notre Dame off a of bye week. You have minimal, if any, tough back-to-back games. You get your two toughest games at home. This thing, Mike, is tailor-made. And, you know, if we want to channel our inner David Qualkenbush here for a second, like, if you really want to make a case that North Carolina is going to end up in Charlotte, but it's still going to be, like, kind of a fraud of a team, you can see in this schedule, it has the makings and it is set up for this to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. And North Carolina could end up in the ACC championship and certainly not be the second best team in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And that's and a lot of North Carolina fans are going to be upset with that. Whatever. Look, this has happened plenty of times where the second best team in the ACC doesn't make it to Charlotte because they're in the same division as Clemson or um, because they've escaped some games. They probably should have lost. What's up, Miami? Like that's happened before. And that could certainly happen again this year, given North Carolina's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey, I said that I said that Notre Dame, th- this is before we went through all the individual previews. I said that Notre Dame is the second best team in the ACC this year. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's true. I think they're the second best team in the ACC. They play North Carolina. They'll have a chance to prove it on the field. Mm-hmm. But I see a scenario also where Notre Dame loses another ACC game somewhere, beats North Carolina. But North Carolina is like, OK, well, we only have like one conference loss. You have two and we're going to Charlotte. Like mm-hmm. that wouldn't surprise me at all, given what North Carolina has in front of them. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, North Carolina has two different occasions on their schedule where they have what I would consider moderately difficult back-to-backs, right? They play Virginia Tech at home, and this is Octo- Saturday, October 10th, so about a month from now. They play Virginia Tech at home, then they're on the road at Florida State on October 17th, right? Mm-hmm. Then they have a bunch of softies, in my opinion. They got NC State at Virginia at Duke, home against Wake. Right. Mm-hmm. And the toughest game in that four game stretch, in my opinion, is probably Duke. And the reason why I say that is because Chase Price can sling it a little bit. And we don't know if there are any other quarterbacks in that four game stretch that can. Right. So if mm-hmm. that's your toughest game in that four game stretch, you're feeling pretty good about where you're at. Then you have a bye week before facing 
who I think is the toughest team on their schedule, and Notre Dame. You also get that game at home. You don't have to go to South Bend. You're playing that game at home uh, at Keenan in Chapel Hill. And then the following week, you go on the road to Miami. Who knows what Miami is going to be at this point? And by the way, going back to that Virginia Tech-Florida State back-to-back, who knows what Florida State's going to be at this point? You Mm -hmm. and I have a pretty good idea of what Virginia Tech and Notre Dame should be. We're not sure, Mm -hmm. though, what Florida State and Miami will be or could be. So even in the two tough back-to-backs that we're talking about here, there's really only one part of it that you and I are pretty sure about. The other side of it, we're like, eh. You got a first-year head coach of Florida State. I think Norvell will be pretty good. And then Miami, it's, you know, choose your own adventure every year with Miami, right? It's like, let's see let's see what happens with Miami. They have the most one of the most talented teams in the conference, and they can never seem to figure it out. So, they have the ability to be tough. They have the ability to be tough. And like Cam says, they have done less with more than any other team in college football the last 20 years. And I have a hard mm-hmm. time disputing him on that, just given how they recruit. So yep. we know what Miami is. So North Carolina, look, out of an 11-game schedule, they have a path to 10-1, and one, Joey. They have a path to 9-2. and two. Woo! Um, I'm going mean, to go 9-2. I'm going 9-2. I, I think that's completely reasonable. There, there's, You can look at this schedule and point out there's probably about seven games that – if they don't go seven and zero, something has gone pretty horribly wrong. Like, right. I mean, just case in point, we're less than a week away from them lining up against Syracuse. What's the, what's the number again? It's like twenty two. They're like a twenty two point. I saw I saw twenty two this morning. So that's a huge huge spread. Like huge spread. You know, so it's that's the thing. I mean, you're missing. You, you know, you don't have to play Clemson. You don't have to play Louisville. You don't have to play Pittsburgh. Like a lot of these top, you know, top end ACC teams that we expect them to be are just not here. Um, and so this is, again, this is just tailor made for North Carolina to succeed. So, yeah, I think that's completely reasonable. Um, I, I picked North Carolina to go to the ACC championship game, Mike. Um, as the other representative, I think you previously had Notre Dame. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say this is going to, gosh, I've, I've been North Carolina fanboy central here. These, I, as far, for all intents and purposes at this point, Mike, these are my Tar Heels. Um, I, I am, oh, you know, are they? They're my Tar Heels this year. Yeah. I, I've done enough this offseason that I, that's my fan, fandom now, I guess. Um, I'm going to go 10 and 1. I'm going to go 10 and one. I think the, the way that, I mean, they get their toughest, their two toughest games are at home. They split those. And then I don't know what your toughest road trip is probably to Miami at the end of the year. And that's assuming that Miami hasn't completely imploded as late stage Miami is want to do. Like, I, this thing is, again, it is straight up tailor made for North Carolina to, to go on a ridiculous run here. So Give me North Carolina at ten and one. I think they're going to the ACC championship to play Clemson. It's been tweeted out. You can't take it back. I, I, I'm not taking anything back. I'll own it. If they end up going seven and four or something like that, I mean, hey, like we tried, but I don't think I don't think they're going seven and four with the schedule. I don't think so either. And it's it's not again. It's not that this team is flawless by any stretch of the imagination. It's 
It's that this offense has the ability to be so good, and there is just not much standing in their way. That's there really is. There really isn't. If if Clemson and Pittsburgh and Louisville are on the schedule, along with Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, are, are, and then Miami and Florida State, are we talking about ten and one and nine and two North Carolina? I'm not. I'm talking about three or four lost North Carolina at that point, probably. Yeah. Um, so this is, I think North Carolina is good. I also think they're a year away. Let me make that clear too. Like, I think they're a year away from being like outstanding with what they've recruited the last two years. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, a lot of the hype they're receiving is because I think a lot of national analysts think that recruiting classes that they had, this past year and what they have coming in for 2021 should dictate how good they're going to be on the field this fall, which Mm -hmm. I think, I think is unfair, (laughs) but the way I look at it with this schedule being as soft as it is, I think North Carolina is going to be really good a year early. Um, And I think they're actually going to be really good a year from now, like no matter who they play. I think this year it's going to be more of a byproduct of their schedule than actually what they have offensively and defensively, even though I've already said I think their offense is a top five or ten offense in all of college football. I really think mm-hmm. that defensively yeah. I have defensively I have a ton of questions, but I think in a year or two those questions are going to be answered on both sides of the football. Yeah, and we'll probably come back one day and talk about 2021 North Carolina, but the, the only yeah. – the only issue I have with that at this point, is I feel like 2021 might be a little bit of a gap year because there is a pretty heavy senior presence on this this year's team. You might have a number of guys leave after this season and, and take a, a year or so to replace them. But, yeah, I mean, 2021, 22, you know, you should be seeing a pretty fully realized version of what Mac Brown was trying to create with this team and this program. And we can talk, too, about how much – I don't – I, you know, at this point, I, I, I think that they've got a really good thing going in Chapel Hill, but I'm still not super convinced of how long Mac Brown is going to hang around here. I mean, he is not a spring chicken. <laughs> it seems like he wanted to do this for maybe five years or something and then, and then run off, and that's fine. Um, yep. So, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to watch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for this year, this setup and everything like this, it seems like everything the, the stars are aligning outside of that one you know the defensive star that's not really aligning but the offense and the schedule and all those things seem like they are so I, you know i am curious to see i got them at 10 and 1 you got them at 9 and 2 i i don't take a, a 10 and 1 record prediction lightly but just kind of the, the way i've been feeling about north carolina i've been feeling some kind of way by the way mike some kind of way about north carolina um mm. and they're my targets like i you know, we got to say what I got to say. Speaking Joe's of my truth. Got, I was going to say, Joe's got a nice little feeling down south when he talks about North Carolina. Yeah, That's right. That's right. The uh, the pit of my stomach. Um, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. It's, get, it's getting getting late here. We're getting some uh, basketball conference after dark, Mike. Anyways. That's right. Um, all right. I got him at 10 and 1. You got him at 9 and 2. That, that's all I got in North Carolina. Anything else? They'll be pretty good. Sweet schedule, ACC. <laughs> I, Mike, you're not going to believe this, but the uh, the ACC did something to help out North Carolina. Oh, <laughs> what? Who would have thought? This, yeah, total reversal of fortunes. I know, shocking. Yeah, this has never right. happened. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, 
as much as we could have never seen this coming, yeah, North Carolina gets a pretty sweet little schedule out of this whole thing. And, uh, and you know, we'll see if they can handle it and keep everybody healthy and do what we think they're supposed to do. Because, yeah, I mean, even even if you're pessimistic like Mike, nine and two ain't bad. <laughs> Mister Mister Pessimism, nine and two. Yeah, yeah. Mike's the hater. Uh, just yeah. remember that. I yeah. I am the North Carolina fan on this podcast. That's right. That's that's exactly right. You're not going to find a North Carolina fan on this side of the fence. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. All right, Mike, that's all I got in North Carolina. Anything else? Nope. All right. Well, that does it for our North Carolina preview. And Mike, that means we only have one more to go. Are you ready? Are you excited? 15, uh, 14 down one to go, right? Yes. 14 down one to go in uh, just this particular year. So we're going to come back and, Finish it off. If uh, by process of elimination you haven't figured it out, don't worry. It'll it'll be coming your way pretty quickly here. But we are going to get out of here. We're going to go preview that last team, and uh, then we're going to be on to the season, Mike. We got week one to preview, and uh, probably a little a uh, little roundup following all of our team previews, just to uh, tie a nice little bow on our preview season. So um, all that'll be coming your way. So you can stay tuned. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC, and we didn't have a guest, so don't follow. I mean, you can go follow Jeff Greenberg on Twitter if you want to. That's fine. Um, just go find him, Jeff Greenberg. He's, he's our buddy. Shout oh, out, Jeff. Yep. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free, especially on Anchor. Uh, Mike, they can find us on – they can send their questions, comments, and concerns by finding us on Gmail at – basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com, which is the longest email address in demand. I can't. I, <laughs> good try. Didn't nail it. Didn't nail it that time. Uh, that was that was sloppy. That was sloppy. Um, sloppy like Navy's offense is right now. Not going great. Ugh, gross. Yikes. That, that, that's money that I'll never see again. So that's fine. Uh, Mike, you want somewhere they can find us on the social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of our podcasts here, Joey. Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Um, Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. One more preview. One more to go. You want to come back and do it? Yes, sir. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very, very soon to close out our preview series. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.